Today we're going to continue our series on 1 Peter, which was written to encourage the church who is facing persecution, a life they may not have expected when they received the gospel, but that there is hope in the midst of suffering. My wife Bev will read 1 Peter 5, verses 5 to 8. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Peter was writing to Christians who were living in a culture that was hostile to them. Not only that, it says they have a spiritual enemy seeking someone to devour along the road. Likewise, in our day, anyone wanting to follow Jesus will find their faith under threat from three forces that the Bible describes as the world, the flesh, and the devil. And in the world, there are all kinds of threats that Christians are facing. Different areas in the world, Christians are really experiencing physical persecution. They are put into prison, they are beaten, and sometimes murdered for their faith. Children banished from their homes by family members because they have exchanged their home religion for Jesus. But we in the West, we might experience a more subtle form. We live in a post-Christian society where the majority of the people have little to no understanding of the Bible or Jesus, but our postmodern culture is forming the values and morals of our days. Our culture and its worldview are opposite to the worldview of the Bible. And it sometimes is in our face, but a lot of times it slowly encroaches our space until we either don't notice it as wrong or worse, we even join in and blend in. Living in an environment that opposes Jesus, our flesh, and what I mean by that is our sinful desires and pride gets in the way between us and God. We are tempted to go back to the old way of life, one of pride. And pride likes to make its way to the top and be loud about it, beat its chest about it. Look at them and then look at us. They are wrong. I am right. And then the devil, who is our enemy, is prowling around, waiting for the right moment, looking for opportunities to divide the witness of the church using the flesh and the world with all the polarizing views and make it into this wonderful cocktail. Shakes it a bit, stirs it a little more, out comes division and brokenness. Followers of Christ standing across from one another, name calling each other, judging them, each other as worthless and not being real followers of Christ. Which of these three do you struggle with the most? 
with these forces in our lives, how can we defend ourselves? What are we to arm ourselves with? Humility. As Peter is saying, the overall attitude of the church is one of humility. It's one of our defenses against a hostile culture, our flesh that is prideful, and the enemy who seeks to divide, devour, and destroy. Especially as younger people, myself included, we tend to think that we know what's up, riding on the wave of the newest thing that we should follow, kind of like Peter when he was young. The gospel books are full of Jesus' disciples fighting about who is the greatest, or Peter himself when he told Jesus, all these may deny you, but I won't. What a beautiful picture of Peter, an older man now, a fatherly figure, writing to the churches and maybe remembering himself as a prideful young man, remembering his failures, his mistakes when he was around Jesus. Here he is encouraging the young to submit and listen to those who have been around for a while. The church is a body, everything fine-tuned and working together. We are to honor and receive from one another, young and old as one. Our older folk have seen more life. They've made mistakes. They've gained experience and understanding. They have walked with the Lord through all these things and are still standing. We can learn so much from them. I can learn so much. When I was younger, I had an argument during a community group about a theological issue with someone who was older than I was. And this happened in an awkward way. I was dominating the conversation, trying to impose my view. But as you may have guessed, I was wrong. And I had to admit that. Had to humble myself. Now we're great friends still. Younger viewers or anyone who has older generations ahead of them, what can you do to learn from the older generations? Then, Peter continues on to address the whole church. This isn't just for the young, this is for the whole church. Every one of us, all of yourselves, clothe yourselves with tie-on humility. Peter is not just saying, hey, be humble. It says, clothe yourselves or tie on. There is a connection with the story that just happens before the Last Supper. Jesus and His disciples are celebrating the Passover together, knowing that He was about to be betrayed and die, rose from dinner and took off His coat, grabbed a towel and tied it around His waist, poured water into a basin, and started washing the feet of his disciples. Peter was astonished when Jesus arrived at his feet, and he refused it. But Jesus said to Peter, You don't understand it right now, but you will understand later. Now, normally the feet washing, which was a very common practice of those days, was done by servants. It was a dirty job. The disciples are not even offering to wash the feet of Jesus. But Jesus tied on the towel of humility around His waist. That is the ultimate model of humility. 
Jesus who in Philippians 2 verse 6 to 8, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality, equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Look at Jesus. He had all the reason to show off how amazing he was. Could have come to the earth in full display with angels, radiant and full of glory, which he could have totally done that. Yet, he decided to come to the earth into a small town of no significance. Actually, Nazareth had a very poor represent, uh, reputation in those days. The place where he announced the coming of the kingdom of God. Not in a big city with a great platform with all the people listening, but in a small synagogue for a handful of people in a small town. He spent his time with people from all walks of life. Not just the religious, holy people, with kings and queens or the elites. He was accessible to everybody and his message was simple so that children could come to him. Contrary to the expectation of a Messiah, a Savior to come, he chose to become a servant and humbled himself rather than exalting himself in front of everybody. Many a time when Jesus performed a miracle, he instructed the person on the receiving end to be quiet about it. Remember Jesus praying to the Father in the garden before he was taken captive? He said, is there any other way of saving the world? But not my will, but your will, Father. He humbled himself before God. And that is probably the most humble statement that exists. Not my will, but your will. The cross was a disgraceful way to die, tying the towel around his waist to wash the feet of his disciples. To become a servant would have been a disgrace in the culture. Yet, it was that act of humility, that act of faith that saved you and me. Humility is an act of faith. It requires faith to live a humble life. And that is what Jesus tried to show His disciples. That seems to be what Peter is recalling when he encourages everybody to clothe themselves in humility. Are there any situations in your life where you need to tie on the towel of humility? Why? What is the reason for clothing ourselves with humility toward one another? Because the Lord opposes the proud, but gives favor to the humble. If you are proud, God will oppose you. Think about that. Some other words for proud are arrogant, opinionated, self-important, know-it-all, wise guy. If you are any of these things, God will oppose you, resist you. He will be against you. So humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. He will care for you. 
He will bless you. And God loves those who are humble. Isaiah 66 verse 2 says, All these things my hands have made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. God makes humility the road to glory, a road to blessing. Earlier, I described the forces that oppose us. Those forces see that road to glory differently. It looks more like the disciples in the same scene at the Last Supper. It is described that when Jesus broke bread and poured the wine in the cup as a representation of His death, He told His disciples that one of them would betray Him. But instead of humbling themselves and doing some soul-searching, they instead started arguing about who could be the greatest among them. So Jesus had to rebuke them. He said, that is how it is in the world. But you are to be different. So often, our view of the road to glory looks very different to the one that Jesus was on. We feel like we need to fight our corners all the time. Fight to get ahead. Fight our rights. You and I have naturally this innate sense of wanting to be in control of our own destiny. And the, I know what is right. I know what is best for me. So why do we need God? But the truth is, we cannot control a single thing. Anxiety and depression have never been so rampant in our part of the world. When we walk the road of humility, we are saying, God, you are in control of the outcome of my life. And I need you in every situation because I am not able to help myself. We entrust God with our lives and we can cast all our anxieties on Him because He cares for us. He invites us to bring all our worries, cares, concerns to Him. He wants us to trust Him with all the nitty-gritty parts of life, our fears, our worries. You can trust Him because He loves you and cares for you. And trusting Him and humbling ourselves before Him leads to blessing. But can you see, if we are going to follow Jesus and humble ourselves, then it requires faith. It means entrusting ourselves, our lives, our situations to God. What do you need to entrust God with today? So, what does it look like to walk humbly before God and man? Well, first of all, you and I no longer have to prove ourselves worthy to Him and people around us. We don't have to try to earn God's approval. Regardless of what we have done, where we have come from, or what has happened to us, the Bible says that when we were all enemies of God, Christ died for us. He died in our place so that we could be forgiven and reconciled to God so we can know that we are totally accepted by Him. We have nothing to prove. Jesus has done it all. 
It's why we can have confidence that He cares for us, that we can entrust our lives to Him. Secondly, toward one another, in our hyper-polarized society, we take Jesus' approach and not the approach of the disciples when we get into an argument or a debate. We clothe ourselves with humility. We tie on the towel of humility, which means serving the other person, washing their feet. And that might mean spending time listening and trying to understand the other person's point of view. Or it might mean serving someone who has totally different views of life than you do. Different lifestyle, different politics, different views. Possibly to the point where you or I will feel uncomfortable doing so. I recently heard a story of my friend Isaac, who's part of this church. He wanted to understand people who thought differently than he did about the current situation of the country. He wanted to hear their story and not just assume things about them, understanding their point of view. So he sat down for dinner with them, with different people, and they listened to one another. His main purpose was to listen, not to impose his view, not arguing about who is right. And he told me that it was such a great time and that he got a greater understanding and appreciation for those people. Can you imagine if everybody would have a similar approach? I think our world and even our churches could look so much better when we would spend more time listening. It would mean making space for people, laying down our lives and serving one another. That might require giving up our freedom and privileges, trusting that God is in control. Right now, many people have different views about the coronavirus and how we should respond to it. And it creates all kinds of tensions and division. But Peter, 2,000 years ago, tells us how we should respond. Clothe yourselves in humility toward one another. Why? Because Jesus laid down His own life with your life in mind. We are now part of His family. And in His family, there is an attitude of humility toward one another. Don't you want to be part of that? Don't you want to be a church that is known for its love for one another, where people live together in humility? How different that is to the society we live in. What a witness that would be in a broken and polarized world. How can we respond then? Maybe you need to repent of pride. Part of humbling ourselves is recognizing when we have been wrong or had a wrong attitude. If that is you, just tell God right now. Ask His forgiveness and you can be assured that, you, that He will give grace. He gives grace to the humble. He will bless you. Maybe God has been speaking to you about a specific issue that you need to surrender to Him and trust Him with. Give it to Him today and leave it with Him. He cares for you. 
Or maybe today is the day when you put your faith in Jesus, when you humble yourself and recognize that you have been living for yourself and apart from God, He invites you to put your faith in Him, to turn from living for yourself and follow Jesus. And we demonstrate that by being baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. We have baptisms regularly at our church. If you want to be baptized, get in touch with us at hello at newfrontierschurch.com. But may we all clothe ourselves with humility that we might know the favor and blessing of God. God bless you. Christ, I think upon your sacrifice, you became nothing, poured out to death. Many times I've wondered at your gift of life, and I'm in that place once again. Once again, and once again I look upon the cross where you died. I'm humbled by your mercy, and I'm broken inside. Once again I thank you. Once again. Exalted to the highest place, King of the heavens, one day I bow, but for now, I marvel at the saving grace, and I'm full of praise once again, I'm full of praise once again.
我走。